Well, good morning. It's a delight to be back with you this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we come before you in humility. We come before you in submission. And Lord, as we look at the word today, stir our hearts unto what is true and good. Or may your spirit have his way in us. Oh God, humble us under the authority of your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If I say the name Ponce de Leon, what do you think of? Yeah, all of you had your history books or you remember from American history. Ponce de Leon came over with Christopher Columbus in that era, seeking to find the fountain of youth. Many believe he landed somewhere around uh, St. Augustine or somewhere there in Florida. His goal was to find this fountain of youth, and I have read uh, differing opinions on him, but I've also read that Ponce de Leon was not the first and not the only one to seek a fountain of youth, that there were those uh, who believed that the Ganges River in the Far East was one that you could wash in and it would keep you from, uh, from aging. There, there are different versions on each continent about some sort of fountain of youth, some sort of place you could go. Uh, even in television series, there are uh, allusions to the fountain of youth. And uh, you can uh, see even today that our culture seems to think that the medical field is the fountain of youth that will overcome all of the effects of aging for each one of us. And it seems that no matter where you are, no matter what era you live in, whether it's today, 500 years ago, or 1,000 years ago, people are looking to find longevity to their lives. So I have the question for you, as as I've read and, and researched this a bit. Some say that religion even comes from this quest to find longevity to life. And as people were seeking to lengthen their life, they invented some sort of religious uh, ideology that would lengthen your life. And that those who came in religious practices taught eternal life because it would fulfill this desire to have longevity. And as I read this, I, I think, oh, okay. Well, correlation does not mean causation, as we all learned here recently in our culture. Maybe, just maybe, it's the other way around. Maybe God put in us the desire for eternal life so that we could seek it and find it in the appropriate way in his son. With that thought in mind, if you have your Bible, I would like for you to or invite you to turn to 1 John chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 10 through 15 this morning. We're going to speak of John's 
Um, thoughts on longevity of life or eternal life and, and take a look at what the scripture says uh, a lot uh, here. We'll be flipping around a good bit, so get your Bible ready, have your fingers ready uh, to be moving around today. The fountain of youth or the quest for eternal life, rather, would be a good way to put it for us today. And let me read to you from 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 10. Y'all with me today? All right, let's do it. Let's do the work. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony. That God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So verse 10 begins with a, with a testimony that is within a believer. And so I'll ask you, Christian, what is this testimony that he speaks of? Look at verse 10. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. What testimony do you have, Christian, in yourself? Well, if you're a good student of the Bible and you are aware of how to read your Bible, you'll see that just in the very next verse it tells us what this testimony is. It is that God gave us eternal life and the life is in his Son. We can look back at 1 John chapter 2, just a couple of chapters earlier, and it is a promise that he made to us. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. Now, we have come to know this word eternal life, or some of you who, uh, who love and, and cherish the King James, what does it say in King James? It doesn't use eternal life, it uses what? Everlasting life. Yeah. But as we know, this phrase doesn't come from English. It comes from the original language it was written in, which was Greek. And it is a phrase of two words mashed together meant to communicate an idea. So whether you use eternal life or everlasting life, uh, what, it all, what it all goes back to is two Greek words, two of which you probably will recognize. One, the first word is Ionius. Ionius. And the second word is zoe. I have a niece named Zoe, uh, named after this Greek word of life. The first word, Ionius, Ionius, uh, and it is, it's where we get the word eon. And you've, I've heard the word growing up of what an eon is. Uh, an eon is, uh, someone would say, gosh, this sermon lasts eons. That was last week's sermon that lasts eons, not this week. Where are you? This eons being a period of time or a long period of time, a set of time, that comes from Ionius, the Greek word. So we have Ionius Zoe, Ionius Zoe. It is a, a long period of time mashed up together with the word life. So let's break down this word. What does it mean? Uh, Ionius, Ionius. Uh, let me give you another instance of the word uh, that we use the word Ionius from. Uh, this long period of time. And then, so forgive me, but here we're going to break down these words for a few moments. Look at what they originally meant. And then we're going to look at how that applies to how we understand 
the scripture today and what this phrase eternal life means for us today. Look at Romans 16.25. Romans 16.25. This is the benediction in the book of Romans. Now to him who's able to strengthen you according to my gospel and to the preaching and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for Ionius. And here we have translated for long ages. So the message of Jesus was kept secret, really, for since from creation up through Jesus, the message of Jesus Christ. Now, that is this word Ionius. It is a period. Uh, it can also mean a period without beginning or end. Uh, it is translated really both ways, but it is a, a, a period of time. Now, uh, if you want to see it translated as a, a period without beginning or end, you just look at the next verse. So Romans 16, 26, you're going to see both usages of this word. The mystery was kept secret for Ionius, but now has been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations. Now the gospel is known to all nations according to the command of and here it is, Ionius, God. Now he's using the same word to modify God. And as we read this in English, it makes perfect sense to us. Eternal God, a God who there is no beginning and no end. He is the God of ages, if you will. And as we as humans understand that we have Four score or three score and ten, we have 70 years approximately to live on average, maybe up to 75 now. But the God of ages is the one who outlasts all of us. He is the God who is not bound by our 70 years of, of time. He's the God of ages. He's the eternal God, if you will. So we have these usages of the word eternal or Ionius, the, the, the God of a time period. And then you, you mash in with that like he did with eternal God. He mashes in, in this phrase John does and Jesus does often, Ionius Zoe. So this eternal life. And as we're building together, what does life mean? Well, um, and, I, and I struggled with this a little bit. So let me ask you to do the same, this exercise. Can you define the word life? If you were to define the word life, how would you do it? How would you put it into words? Well, you could say, well, when someone's breathing or has impulses in their brain, they, they have life. Well, do, do plants really breathe? Or what if I hold my breath? Am I not alive anymore? How do you, how do you define the word life? And I had to look up in a couple dictionaries just to get the idea. Maybe you've got a a better definition, but here's the best that I came up with through a couple of dictionaries. That which is common, a common possession of all animals and men and nature, which has an animating force. Breathing, reproducing, growing, being animated. Now, you may be able to define it better than that, but I think we all know what life is. Life is when you're not dead. 
What do you get when you put them together? Well, you have life for ages. Ionius Zoe is the life of ages. It's a life that is not bound in our human sense, in our, in our fallen human sense, I should say. Life that is not bound by the 70-ish year limit that God has placed upon us. The Bible tells us that God gives life. That God takes away life. That our very life is in the hands of God. That even all of nature and the animals and, and everything around us is a product of God desiring for those things to be living. Well, we have here this concept of eternal life or life of the ages. Life for the ages. It is that it goes on and on and has no end. Let me read to you from John chapter 10. Listen to how Jesus describes this eternal life differently than he describes normal life. Listen to this. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them Ionius Zoe. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Notice who the authority of life is here. That Jesus gives them Ionius Zoe. That Jesus gives them eternal life. And that no one can do anything with it. That he is the owner of that eternal life. As he has placed the life for the ages on his sheep. That it is something that is there to stay. Because he is the owner of of it. Now, as we think about this, we also think that eternal life. Jesus gives life. No one can snatch it away because he's the author and the perfecter. That also makes us think about this, that if there's eternal life, then consequently there is eternal death. And unless you come alive, you will be eternally dead. In Awana, for many years, now in Blast, our kids learn the verse of Romans 6.23. So one of you young folks who's been through Awana... Or is in blast? Can you tell me Romans six twenty three? What does it say? Yeah, that's right. You got it. All you have to do is be able to read. You didn't have to go through a one. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Now, now let me let me clarify this. So this this might get a little hairy. So please try to try to dial in here. I hope this is helpful to you. Being eternally dead. Or not having eternal life. Having a lack of eternal life. Is not the same as being unconscious. It's something very different. When we think of death. We think of just something that's not conscious. Or moving. Or, or breathing. Or, or living. And in the human sense. As we'll simplify a bit. 
Somebody's not breathing and, and living, that's death. But Jesus, when he came to give eternal life, is something very different. It is, does not correlate to our physical life. Look in Ephesians chapter 4. Maybe it will help illustrate this. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their mind. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God. Did you hear that? Spiritual, the lack of spiritual life has to do with what? A darkening in their minds, a futility in the mental state of a spiritual thing. Verse 18, let me read it again. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from life. Alienated, meaning cast aside from, apart from. It is foreign to life of God. And I think that's the same thing. Life of God. They're alienated to that, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. So when we talk about spiritual death or a lack of spiritual life, this is how we see it. It is a darkening of the knowledge and understanding of who God is. You could say it like this. Those who do not have spiritual life do not know God. They do not understand or comprehend God. But let me go a step even further than that, if I may. The description of having a lack of spiritual life is, is not understanding, not comprehending, being darkened, but it goes further because there is a consequence for that. There is a state that rests upon someone who is not, who does not possess eternal life, who does not know God, who does not comprehend God. And John 3.36 gives it as clearly as I can give it. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, life for the ages. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life does not know life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Now this is where it gets very hard. Because what we must see here is that the state of being not spiritually alive is the state of having God's wrath, wrath resting upon oneself. So I say this to, to anyone who has not tasted of eternal life. Anyone who has not does not know that they have been born again and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. That you do not have a comprehension of who God is and a desire to know and love Him. I must share with you that the wrath of God is upon you and there is but one way to be saved, and that is by believing and trusting in Jesus Christ the Lord. And with that belief, it's not just that, that he exists, 
but it's that he is now your path. And that he is now your direction. And he is that you love him. And you prove that by repenting of your sin and coming and following Jesus Christ. Christian, may I also remind you, there are those that we love. If you have not shared the message of the gospel with someone, that the, the wrath of God remains on them. And that he has called us to be heralds of the message of life. Y'all still with me this morning? There is a serious problem with those with hard hearts. Look at how Daniel, even as back far as the Old Testament, hear these words of me, if you, if you, especially if you do not believe. Daniel, um, in the exile of Babylon, so many years ago. Daniel chapter 12. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Jesus himself also spoke of the same thing in Matthew 25 verse 46. And those will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to life of the ages, eternal life. There are two categories in which we, we really understand people. And it is those who are spiritually alive and those who are spiritually not. But again, may I remind you that the lack of spiritual life is not just spiritual unconsciousness. It is a state of being where the wrath of God is upon you because you have rejected the message of God. And as time continues to go on and as eternity draws nearer and nearer... That wrath grows. And for all eternity, God pours out his wrath on those who have rejected him. That is why it is so important for you to know that he has also provided salvation for that in his son. Jesus Christ came to save sinners that repent. But Jesus even said this. In Luke chapter 12, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, there's nothing more they can do. I warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. You see, sometimes we're afraid and all of our fears are mounted up. And they're, they're, they're merely things that are going on around us or things that are coming in the next few years. And our fears are just the things that are around us. And Jesus very clearly says, that's not where it's at, y'all. You need to have bigger fears than just the things you can see. You need to have bigger fears than 70-year than fears. You need to have 1,000-year fears and 10,000-year fears. And so, friend, let me remind you how small of a time 70 years is compared to eternity. And I've heard it explained this way. If, if you took a bird and said, take, take a grain of sand and fly to the moon and drop that grain of sand on the moon. 
and then fly back. And then take another grain of sand and fly to the moon. Drop that grain of sand and come back. And take another grain of sand until you've cleared every beach and every desert on this planet. Then you begin to understand what the beginning of eternity is. If you are fearing serving and loving Jesus Christ because you think, well, I'm not going to have my fun or somebody's going to make fun of me. Or there's too many pleasures in this world. Just begin to think of that bird and how long the joys of eternity will be when you are with the Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And if Jesus made this world, which the Bible says he did, and he gave you all of the pleasures and the the capacity for pleasure that he has given you, Think of all of the great delights we will have with him for all eternity. Christian, I hope that motivates you. For all eternity, we will delight with the greatest delights that we can understand. And this is why I believe Peter replied to Jesus in this way in Matthew 16. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. There is life in God and he has given life to those whom he pleases. He has given life. And if I may indulge. Can I ask you to turn to Ephesians chapter two? Because this is Paul's. Paul's proclamation of how he gives that life and what it looks like. And it is so encouraging to read this. We studied this one Sunday night just a few weeks ago. But can I just read it for y'all? And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. That is the devil. You had another master. The evil. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And you were. Now watch. By nature, children of wrath. Again, notice that the cloud of God's wrath is upon those who are not in Christ. And if that is you today, repent. Come to the Lord Jesus and find life today. You are by nature. You are a child of wrath. Like the rest of mankind. Help me out, church. But God. But God, you were an object of wrath, but God, who is rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us. Even when we were what? Dead, without life, without Zoe. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive. He gave us life of the ages. 
He gave us eternal life together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up into life of the ages. Raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. For the ages and the ages and the ages and the ages to come. Oh, how helpful is this passage to understand. You are alive in a way that a non-believer is not. You have life. And what an encouragement to see you young ladies proclaiming on Easter Sunday morning that you are alive in Christ. Non-believers do not understand Christians because they... Do not understand eternal life. They are they're darkened like Ephesians 4 tells us. They do not have the understanding. It doesn't make sense. Why are these Christians doing these things? Because we're alive. Are you alive? Amen. Are you alive? First John 1. I'm sorry, John 1, 1 through 5. Listen to this. In light of all of this life stuff, listen to this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is Jesus he's talking about, the Word. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. I told you Jesus made the world, and he made all of these delightful things. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. Did you hear that? The source of life is Jesus Christ the Lord. And Amy, that baby in your tummy, came from Jesus. He gave life in that moment of conception. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overpowered it. Christian, you have transitioned out of judgment and into life. John 5.24 tells us this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes, and believes him who sent me, has eternal Life, life for the ages. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Do you see it's all right there? For those who do not have life, there is judgment. For those who have life, you have surpassed that. You have passed out of that. This is no new idea either. Jesus They were aware of this idea. Remember how many people came to Jesus. Uh, Matthew chapter 19. Teacher, what good thing must I do to have life for the ages? Luke chapter 10. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit life for the ages? They knew of this idea, this concept. And Jesus proclaimed that the life for the ages is found in me. Believe in me. So let me stop for a moment. For those of you who are still with me, Ponce de Leon, 
and all of his compadres that were searching for life. We as Christians know that it doesn't come from a fountain in the ground. It doesn't come from the Ganges River. It doesn't come from any source of water or some magic spell. It doesn't come from a cream that you rub on your face or a pill that you put in your mouth. It doesn't come from an infusion. The quest for everlasting life is something that I believe God has put in each of us as humans to point us to the source of eternal life. Can you thank God that he's giving you a desire for that fountain of life? And can I share with you this morning that your search will end when you find Jesus Christ the Lord? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let me close with with two more scriptures. If you're hearing my voice this morning, you have not repented of your sin, confessed that you need Jesus for life and, and committed to walk in obedience to him as we've celebrated the Lord's table to say, I'm going to be faithful to the one who was faithful to me. If you are one who says, I am willing to obey the Son of God. If you've never done that, may I read to you two scriptures. My words will never be enough to convince you of the peril that you are in. I hope and pray that the words of the Lord Jesus will be. Jesus tells a story of a rich man and Lazarus. And at the end of that story, or in the middle of that story, he says, And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm that has been fixed. In order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able to get. And none may cross from there to us. When you breathe your last of this planet earth air. Your eternity will be sealed. And as Jesus tells those in his story, there are boundaries there that cannot be passed. Jesus saves sinners who repent now. Revelation 20 verse 10 is the other. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire. And sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Whoever believes the son has life. Whoever does not obey the son. The wrath of God remains on him. May today be the day that you have seen God. Seen your position. And your relationship with God. And may today be the day that you cry out to Jesus for salvation, for eternal life, 
And may today be the day that His Spirit grants you life for the ages. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you thankful that you have shown to us life for the ages in Jesus Christ the Lord. I pray for sinners this morning who are in peril. And I ask, oh God, give them faith. Lord, may they recognize the desire to know and to love you. May they desire that you, oh God, are the source of life and that you are salvation. God, convert souls this morning, we ask. We ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come to our